on the back of your bulletin, I know some of you do not typically take notes, but I'd like for you to write something down. Some of you in the habit, you're already guessing what I'm going to put in those blanks, and that's your goal. For, you know, you Maybe somebody buys you lunch if you guess them all correctly. I don't know. Maybe that's something you ought to try. It's going to be hard for you to guess those first five because there's no context at all. You're just going to guess. But if you know the story of Joseph, you might be able to guess them. But on, your back, on the back of your bulletin somewhere, I'd like you to do this. I, you're going to make two lists, okay, three to four, three to four uh, bullet points long each. So carve you out some space there. The first list, I want you to list maybe your three or four favorite people in the whole world. And these can be folks that, that may still be living. They may have already gone to, to be with Jesus, or, or maybe you don't see them very often, or whatever it is. Maybe somebody in your family, somebody very close to. But if you were to write, just very quick, I'm sure they come to, I'm sure they come to mind very quickly. Who are the, the three or four most, just most special people in your life? Just write them down. And it's, it's B-R-A-D. That's how you say it's Brad. <clears throat> In case you need a little help, I, you know. Um. <clears throat> and then it's F-O-O-L, fool. That, that's, that's me. So <clears throat> you've got your list there of your, of your favorite people. I would imagine that with those folks, you have some tremendous memories, some very special feelings. Maybe a parent or grandparent that's even deceased now, and, and you still, you just hold on to those incredible memories. Maybe it's a good friend that you've known for a long time. Maybe it's a, a husband or wife or a child or a parent. I don't know. A teacher maybe, coach. Some of those just very special people that have really impacted your life in a very incredible way. That list probably makes you smile. It may even make you cry a little bit, but for all the right reasons. On the second list, I want you to write the names of people who have hurt you very deeply. You may need to hide that list because they may be sitting right next to you. <laughs> that may be true. Who, who are those three or four people? You would say, you know what? If I were honest, this person, they may not even know it. This person has hurt me very deeply. Something they did or said or didn't do or didn't say. They've caused me tremendous pain for a number of weeks, months, years, my entire life. That second list is one you don't like to look at. It doesn't bring smiles. But it brings tears because there's pain, not because there's guilt. It even in this moment may stir up those things that you've been dealing with and thought you were over and you say, why on earth did you bring that up this morning? I didn't want to write down that person's name. I don't even want to think about them. In fact, I wrote down some code for them that I'm not going to repeat. You know, I mean, I don't know. You with me? Be honest. Those folks, boy, I don't want to think about them. What we have to say about them is not good. But it's that second list we're going to deal with today. It's the second list we're going to work through today. And in all honesty, we're not going to get done with it. You're not going to be totally done with that second list by the time you leave here this morning after hearing this sermon. But I hope that in some way, through the power of the Holy Spirit who resides in each believer in Jesus Christ, that in some way that you will take one step further down the road of getting past that second list. And I hope to show you a little bit of how and a little bit of why and and give you some scripture and an example that you can go on, but I, I really, 
I really want us to consider that second list this morning. And if you look at that list, who on that list remains unforgiven? You may say, you know what, that person has hurt me deeply, but I've forgiven them, moved on. I'm not holding that against them anymore. But I would venture to say that the vast majority of us, since we're human, and since I am, and if I were to show you my list, I could name several on it that probably remain largely unforgiven. Those folks hurt you. Difficult to think about forgiving them. Forgiveness is a difficult topic. Some of them on that list have remained unforgiven for a long period of time. Long period of time. For years. Maybe for as long as you can remember. You know, forgiveness is one of those things that we like when we receive it, but not when we're required to give it. The pain caused, obviously, by those people on that second list is very real. And probably very deep in many cases. Not easy to think about forgiving them. But I'll tell you this, the truth is that doing so, forgiving them, is both important and very, very powerful. Forgiveness is a big deal to God. He really, you put a lot in the Bible about it, a lot in the New Testament about just commands to forgive and what forgiveness is all about and the commands for believers to forgive one another and, and be patient and so on and forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And then you see the picture of Jesus on the cross. And what are the words that he utters about the people who hung him there? Father, what? Forgive them. The thief on the cross who, one version says he was ridiculing Jesus, and then another version gives the second half of the story where he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. And Jesus forgives him of his sin and welcomes him into heaven. There's a lot in the New Testament about forgiveness. Those verses that are in there speak to the people on our second list. They speak to those lists. And and yet at the same time, it almost seems so simplistic. And yes, I'm commanded to forgive. Okay, thank you for telling me that. You're not really helping me work through it. The truth is, it's nice to have somebody who can kind of relate, who's been where we are. The story of Joseph that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks includes a point in his life where we realize he is a guy who can relate to us. He's a guy who who could have kept his own list for a long, long time. I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis is a very easy book to find. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's the very first one. And I want you to hold your place in chapter 50 the very last chapter in the book of Genesis. And then if you want to put your finger on a verse where we'll start, look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, and hold your place there, verse 15. Joseph was a guy who, from a very early age, began to be hurt very deeply by certain people. If you think about the people who wronged Joseph, you have to start, first of all, with his father. His father was Jacob. Now, Jacob was, from early on in his life, sort of a sinister character. He, he was a guy who, who deceived and lied and, and got away with a lot of stuff. And then when he had sons of his own, by four different ladies, he had 12 sons, the last two of which were his favorite. Joseph was the first of those last two, and his father favored him 
and gave him what is historically known as the coat of many colors. Basically, what he did for Joseph was give him a long sleeve robe that he didn't have to do any work in because that signified he was in charge of all of his older brothers. Joseph had a pretty rotten father. A guy who played favorites, a guy who set him up to be hated by his brothers. At 17 years old, his father sends him off to run an errand, knowing that he's sending him in the hands of his brothers who hate him and despise him. And Joseph could have looked back on his life and said, Dad, do you realize what you did to me? Do you realize that the home you brought me up in, one that played favorites, one that, that really set me up to be hated by everybody else, you know whose fault that was, Dad? Yours. You ever thought those things about your parents? You ever thought things about your parents that you say, you know what, it's your fault that this happened to me. It's your fault I turned out the way I did. It's your fault that you weren't there or you did this or whatever it was. Joseph could have put his dad on that list. He could have also put his brothers on that list. Because as, as he gets there and running that errand to go check on his brothers, they see him from a distance and they plot, it says, to kill him. And instead they decide, no, 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 no. If we kill him, we don't benefit. So what do they do? The noble thing. They sell him into slavery. Let's not kill him. Let's make money on him. They sell him for the price of a handicapped slave, 20 pieces of silver. Sell him into slavery because they hated him. And then they act as if nothing happened. They lie to their father, deceiving him into believing that Joseph was killed. And Joseph, throughout his entire life, could have held that against his brothers. Ten of them gang up on him, attack him throw him into a pit, contemplate over lunch what they're going to do with him, then drag him out of there, sell him into slavery, and he's gone. Away from his family, away from everything he's known, and at 17 years old, he's thrust into slavery, humiliated, degraded, and absolutely destroyed. By no fault of his own. His brothers did it to him. And then he gets into the home of a particular slave owner, someone who was very powerful, and he runs into a lady that the Scripture only calls as Potiphar's wife. We'll know her as Mrs. Potiphar. She tempted him over and over and over to commit adultery with her. And then when he wouldn't, over and over and over, and finally he runs from her home. She seeks to destroy his reputation by accusing him of rape, falsely accusing him of something he did not do, and he's thrown into prison, and he's innocent. You ever had somebody make something up about you? There's somebody on that list, maybe, who said some things about you that you say, you know what? <laughs> you caused me so much turmoil in my life. You cost me that job. You cost me my family, whatever it may be. Mrs. Potiphar was that for Joseph. And then you have his slave owner during that time, a guy named Potiphar himself. You know, the Scripture doesn't indicate it, but it gives some reason to believe that Potiphar didn't totally believe his wife. Do you know what the penalty would have been for rape? Death. Do you realize, Joseph, if he really had been guilty of what Mrs. Potiphar accused him of, he should have been killed. But instead, what happens? Potiphar throws him into prison. I'm not sure that he totally believed his wife, but he didn't have any choice but to do something, he thought, to Joseph. Joseph could have put Potiphar on his list because, you know what, if you didn't think I was guilty, why on earth would you throw me into prison? 
Blame your wife. She's the one making it up. You see how he could have put these folks on his list. And then he gets into prison, and he's there for a while, and he runs into the cupbearer of Pharaoh, the butler. The guy who tasted Pharaoh's wine and food to make sure it wasn't poison. What a great job that would have been. (laughs) If you're wrong ever and Pharaoh dies, you die. But if you do your job the right way and somebody's out to get Pharaoh, guess what? You're going to die anyway. I mean, what what a great retirement plan he had. The cupbearer has a dream in prison. Joseph was attending to him, and he's the guy who's in charge of the prison at this time. Joseph is. And and the cupbearer has a dream that Joseph gives a favorable interpretation and tells him, you're going to return to Pharaoh, and when you do, if you don't mind, let him know there's an innocent guy in prison who helped you out. Just kind of mention it. Maybe the Pharaoh has a little pull. Maybe he can get me out of jail. You know what happens? The cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh and forgets Joseph, the Scripture says. As simply as that. He forgot about him. And then it says, for two more years, <laughs> Joseph sat in prison. Some indications give the, the idea that Joseph, at least for a time, was shackled not only with his hands and his, and his feet, but with his neck tethered to the wall of the jail. Imagine that. No indoor plumbing. Very little food. And here he is doing something nice for someone else, and all he says is, just remember me, and the Scripture makes it very plain, he was forgotten. Those people, his father, his brothers, Mrs. Potiphar, Potiphar, the cupbearer, they could have all been on Joseph's list for a long, long time. They all had things in common. They were all very close to Joseph at one point or another close relationship with him. He served all of them. He brought benefit to them. He, he made money for them, so to speak. He, he was doing their labor for them. You ever been in a position like that? Where you think, I'm doing all the work, he's making all the money, you know? He probably trusted all of them at one point or another. Certainly his father, certainly his brothers trusted them at one point. I'm sure that at some point Mrs. Potiphar was a person he looked at and thought, she's just a lady of the house who I, who I work for. Potiphar the same way, the cupbearer the same way, probably trusted all of them. All of these people were in positions of authority over him. His father, obviously, his brothers being older. Mrs. Potiphar is the lady of the house. Potiphar, his owner. The cupbearer who had access to Pharaoh. And in every case with all of these people, Joseph was absolutely innocent. Imagine that. Absolutely innocent. In every one of the cases where someone did him wrong, He was innocent. Didn't deserve any of it. You think back to the people on your list. I would venture to say that in many cases, that's probably true of you. You say, you know what? This person hurt me. I didn't do anything to deserve it. Maybe you've listed a parent or a friend or a co-worker or a son or daughter or a spouse or whomever it may have been at that particular point, and you look and say, I didn't do anything wrong. Joseph could have had the same list. After he's in prison... And he's forgotten for two years. Pharaoh has a dream. And Joseph is called upon to interpret this dream because the cupbearer finally remembers, hey, I knew a guy once who could interpret dreams. I wonder if he's still shackled to that prison wall. And sure enough, there he was. Joseph's brought before Pharaoh, and and he interprets the dream, and, and Pharaoh then gives him the position of second in command. And in fact, Pharaoh now sort of works as the, 
the CEO in absentia. He's the guy who's going to go and be the, the state official and make all the appearances and eat all the meals, and Joseph's going to run the show. Kind of like the Queen of England or the Prime Minister. Joseph's the Prime Minister. He's the one who's running the government. He's the one in charge. He rises in power. He's now a free man. And Pharaoh's dream highlighted the fact that there was going to be a famine. And do you know what happened in the middle of that famine? Guess who came calling for food? His brothers. <laughs> Sent by his father to Pharaoh to see if they might have some grain that his brothers could pick up. And guess who's in charge of doling out the grain? Just so happens to be a guy named Joseph. And so here he is. His brothers arrive on the scene. They're on his list. And the scripture records what he did. Now I want you to think before we look at that. What would you have done? Here's your chance. They can't do anything to him. Nothing. They have no food. They're starving to death. They've come from a long way away. They're not even citizens of Egypt. Here he is in control and knows who it is. He could have done anything he wanted to do. What would you have done? Man, this is my chance. Here, here's my opportunity. Finally, God has given me the chance to take revenge. Even just a little bit. I know it's not good to take revenge. Just a little bit. Just, you know, what would you have done? The Scripture records in Genesis chapter 50 what Joseph did. Look with me in verse 15. This is the end of the story. Jacob has died, and so it says here, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, if we're still on his list, he will certainly repay us for the wrong we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the wrong they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression rather, of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. Then his brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. Remember the dream he had? Interesting how it comes around. They were all bowing down in the dream. Verse 19, But Joseph said to them, And here is his moment. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good, to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What would you have done? What would I have done? Would I have said, don't be afraid? Or would I have said, you know that dream I had? You remember? You remember so many years ago? Guess what? There it is. Hello. I told you. And guess what you just did? You bowed down. Let me just bask in the glory of this moment for just a second. I was right. You're wrong. You're bowing down. Now go home. That's what I would have said. Go home. Joseph says, do not be afraid. You meant it for evil. God intended it for good. He forgave. He forgave those who caused him the most problems. Now consider how rare that really is. I've done several funerals in the last two and a half years. And as I was thinking about this, this rarity of forgiving people like this, I wonder how many of the funerals that I've done were people who had a long list of folks that they took to their grave. I don't know. I didn't know all those people well enough to know their list. 
But I just wonder how many of us will have a long list of people unforgiven that we'll take to our graves. Very rare to forgive as Joseph forgave. But in doing so, he showed us what forgiveness is and what it is not. Let me tell you what it is not. Forgiveness is is not about justifying or ignoring, rather, or justifying or forgetting what happened. It's not about ignoring or justifying or forgetting what happened. Now, forgiveness gets a bad rap because we figure when somebody says we're sorry, we just have to ignore and pretend like they didn't really do anything. What do we say when somebody says we're sorry? I'm sorry. We say, well, it's okay. No, it's not. It's not. What you did was not okay. So it's not a matter of justifying it and saying, well, you said you're sorry, so what you did was okay. No. What you did was wrong. And it's not about forgetting. You listed those people. I guarantee you, you remember what they did. Why? Because you're still alive. Your brain works. That's just the way it is. You can't forget. So it's not about ignoring or justifying, saying something was right when it's really wrong, or, or forgetting. The truth is we need to acknowledge that we were wrong and that it was a big deal and that something was taken from us. Maybe it was your innocence. Maybe it was your youth. Maybe it was your dignity. But you can't ignore it. You can't pretend it's not a big deal. You can't forget those things. But that doesn't mean that you can't forgive. Just because you can't ignore it, just because you can't justify it, just because you can't forget it, doesn't mean that you can't forgive. It also, forgiveness, unfortunately, doesn't mean that reconciliation is going to happen. You realize that some of the people that are on your list will never say they're sorry? Never. They may be dead. They may be gone. (laughs) Some of those folks will never be able to say they're sorry. And they may never think that they need to say they're sorry. So forgiveness is not about reconciliation. It's a prerequisite for reconciliation. Without forgiveness, you're not going to be reconciled, but it doesn't always lead to that. What wonderful news I'm giving you this morning. (laughs) Forgiveness is sometimes a one-way street. Many times it is. And forgiveness is, is also not without emotion. You know, Joseph in this story, he dealt with lots and lots of emotion. He wept over and over as these things were dredged back up in his heart and he realized the pain that had been caused. Forgiveness is not about being stoic and saying, yes, I forgive you, I'm moving on, I'm just going to be strong. Can anybody really do that? That doesn't even make sense. That's not human. That's not real. So it's not without emotion. The truth is that many of us probably need to work through the emotional pain and baggage that's there because of the people on your list. You probably need to work through that. Stuffing it or or faking it as if you're okay only really avoids the problem, and it keeps you from fixing all that stuff. Joseph didn't do any of that. He didn't ignore the problem. When he came face-to-face with his brothers, he said, you are the guys who sold me into slavery. He didn't ignore it. He didn't forget it. He didn't pretend like it was okay. And, And he also didn't stuff it. He was emotional about it. So forgiveness is not those things. And let me tell you very briefly what forgiveness is. (laughs) Forgiveness is a very simple concept, difficult to apply, but it's simply this. Forgiveness is grace applied to a debt owed. Forgiveness is grace applied to a debt owed. Look again in, in Genesis chapter 50. 
they say in verse 15, if he's holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for the wrong we caused him. There's the debt. They owe him because they took so much from him. They took away his youth. They took away his vitality. They took away his best years, and he spent the prime of his life, physical life, in prison. They took a lot from him. So they sent this message, and they they say, Your father said we are to be forgiven. And Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Here comes the grace. Here comes what they didn't deserve. You know what they deserve? They deserve the grudge. They deserve the punishment. They deserve to be sent home with nothing. They deserve to die because Joseph could have done that. And he says, Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. More grace here. I will take care of you and your little ones. (laughs) And he comforted them. More grace. And spoke kindly to them. More grace. Joseph overcame their debt with grace. They owed him a debt that could never be repaid. They could never make up for what they did. The people on your list can never make up for what they did. They cannot. You may keep waiting for them to to repay you or in some way for you to be repaid. Guess what? It's not going to happen. Because it can't. Should it? Eh, Maybe in our human minds, but can it? No, it's impossible. If someone took your innocence as a child, can they give that back to you? No. If someone took your dignity... Or your reputation, can you get those years back? No. So forgiveness is not about getting paid back. Joseph had everything taken from him, his freedom, his family, his home, everything important to him. And just like him, when you've been wrong, something has been taken. And the more that has been taken, the bigger the debt. The bigger someone owes you and the less they can repay it. You can't get back what you lost, no matter what. You can't. Joseph's brothers were at the top of his list, I'm sure, if he wrote one. Who's at the top of your list? Who's caused you the most hurt? Who's brought about the most pain in your life? Who do you want to pay you back the most? The unfortunate truth is that they can't. And they probably don't even think they need to. They probably don't even care that they're on your list. And if they were... Informed of that, they would probably tell you, I don't care. Forgiveness is not about being paid back. Forgiveness simply means canceling the debt that was owed. That's what Joseph did for his brothers. True forgiveness recognizes that that repayment is not possible, so it simply cancels the debt. True forgiveness is very, very powerful. Joseph and those he served experienced the power of forgiveness. I don't think that chapter 50 is the first time that Joseph came face to face with his need to forgive his brothers. I think he had already done it. Because do you realize when he's sold into slavery what he does? He doesn't pout and he doesn't stay depressed and he doesn't get angry and bitter and remain that way. What does he do? He rises to prominence and does the best he can. And, and God blesses the entire house of Potiphar because of Joseph. And I really believe that at some point, between the time he sold into slavery and the time we pick up the story in the next chapter, that he forgave. Because he couldn't have done what he had done had he not forgiven. And then he's wrongly accused. And then he's thrown into prison. And at some point in there, he forgave. Why? Because he rises to prominence in the prison. 
People who are bound up by bitterness and anger and unforgiveness don't do those kinds of things. What do they do? They stay bound up by bitterness and anger and depression and so on. That's what they do. Joseph released all of that at some point. And so chapter 50, I think, is just a culmination of all of his forgiveness. And he finally gets to tell his brothers, look, you're forgiven. It's over. I canceled the debt. Do you owe me? Yes, but it's over. I'm not holding that against you anymore. That's what forgiveness means. Did it mean justifying what they did? No. Did it mean getting repaid back? Paid back? No. But it simply means that he came to the conclusion, you know what? I'm no longer going to hold it against you. That debt is canceled. It's a powerful, powerful thing. His brothers began to have God work in their life because of his generosity and kindness toward them. They, they expected the worst and got the best. Again, this is a very powerful, powerful thing. But on the flip side of that, unforgiveness is also very powerful. Some of those folks have been on your list for a long, long time. And even just writing their names down today is a very powerful thing. Unforgiveness can leave you bitter and angry and depressed in some cases and very skeptical of people and ultimately very lonely. Joseph is not super spiritual. There's a, there's a, a why and a how to the way he forgave. and He simply, for the why, he just saw God's perspective. He decided to look with God's eyes instead of human eyes. And he said, he said, am I in the place of God? He says, here's God's perspective. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good. God was at work. You know the theme in Joseph's life, and in fact, the theme throughout the entire Old Testament? The Lord was with Joseph. Remember that from the last couple of weeks, if you were here? Over and over and over, it says, even in slavery, even in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph. He saw God's perspective. He stopped seeing through human eyes and saw God's perspective. And then he, he forgave in the same way the how that you and I must forgive. He forgave with his words and with his actions. It, he, it says here that, he says, don't, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones. And it says, and he comforted them and spoke kindly. Forgiveness for some of us means that the person that's on your list, that you constantly tell that story about and what they did and what they took and so on, means maybe that the next time that that person's name comes up, you don't tell that story. I'm not saying that you go and say, oh, what a great person they are. Let me, let me vote for them. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But with your words and with your actions, there are ways to demonstrate both to you, to them, and to God. I have forgiven them. The debt is canceled. Joseph did that. If you look back at your list, everybody on it owes you something. The only way for you to be free from what that has caused in your life is to cancel the debt. Not going to be being repaid because that's not going to happen. The only way for you to be free is to cancel the debt. So work through it. Work through the emotion. Work through what they took from you, what they owe you, and work through the canceling of that debt, first with your words, and then, if possible, with your actions. It's not about forgetting, not even about seeking reconciliation right off the bat, it, and it might always be a one-way street. You may never, ever get an apology, but you can be free. You can be free from all that.
And you say, but you don't know what happened. No, I don't. I don't at all. You're right. I don't know what happened. It's painful and it's unfair. And it does require an act of your will to forgive. The grace extended from Joseph to his brothers really is just a preview of the grace extended by Jesus to the world when he died on the cross. You realize we could take all of our lists, combine them all together, even eliminate the overlap of all the people that are on everybody's list, you know? And we could write all those things down, and all that stuff, and all that we're owed, and it would not even touch the debt that we owe Jesus Christ. It would not even come close to the offense that sin is to a perfect and holy God. And do you know what He did in the face of all that offense, the face of all that sin? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, while we're still building up the debt we owe Him, Christ died for us. Do you know what He did in that? He canceled the debt. Some of you for years have been walking around with this debt of sin that you feel like you owe to God. Do you realize Jesus paid for that debt at Calvary on the cross? He paid for it. Some of you have been trying to repay God for all those things. you realize you can't? It's impossible. The only way is to receive the free gift of grace through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's what makes you free from that debt. Not trying harder, not doing better, not being nicer, but faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. And praise God, it's free because I could never repay Him because guess what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to build the debt back up again because I'm going to (laughs) sin. Do you realize... While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. While you were still a sinner, He died for you. That the debt has been paid. That instead of sin in my account, there's now Christ's righteousness when I receive it by faith. What an amazing, amazing story. Our debt is great, and we could not repay it. And so He canceled His debt. It was His grace that overcame our debt. It was His love that triumphed over our sin. And so we forgive because He has forgiven. Truth is, we can never be more like Jesus than when we are forgiving those who cannot repay the debt that they owe us. That's what He did. Very powerful thing. So I encourage you, be a person of grace and forgiveness. It will make you free no matter what is owed you. This morning, we are going to close our time together by participating in the Lord's Supper. Some of you may be unfamiliar with those terms. Another term for it is communion. What we do in this is not receiving the grace of God through these elements of communion, the bread and the cup. But what we do is we celebrate through a symbolic form what Jesus did for us in canceling our debt of sin by His death on the cross. And so this morning, I'm going to ask our deacons to come and they will serve the elements to you. And we'll pass out one first, and then we'll take it together, and then we'll pass out the other, and we'll take that together as well. And during these moments, even though there's going to be a little bit of movement, I want you to do this. I want you to focus in on what God has said to you this morning. And I want you to consider, have you received His free gift of forgiveness and grace through faith alone? Have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ and received His love? And is there anyone on that list 
that you can then turn that grace around to and cancel their debt and say, you know what, it wasn't right, but I'm not going to hold it against them anymore. I'm going to be free walking away from here today. Spend some time with the Lord as these guys will hand out the elements to you. Spend some time with the Lord reflecting and responding to what he has said to you.